Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 52nd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park. Reverse duck is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams' front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. Belton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Josh Anthony back with you guys today. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving day, Thanksgiving weekend with your families. I know I did, minus all the football activities that happened on Thursday and Friday. I was very thankful to have a break from Carolina being on the basketball court. And uh, today we That's are That's probably not a good thing. Today we're going to recap the the month of November. Something I want to start doing this year and moving forward is recapping the season month by month and really focusing on what Carolina did in that particular month. So we're going to recap all the action from Carolina on the court. Have some questions that I'm going to ask Anthony. We're going to have some great discussion, I feel like, um, with you guys here in just a bit. But before we do that, we start with the pod thought of the day. Ooh. We go back to Roy Williams because even though he oh, is retired, I, I still made it known that he was the person I was most thankful for. Also, is he retired or is he half retired? He, because he has been at every game. He, he is six for six yeah. so far this year. Um, and Roy once said, and I think this really applies to this team that we're actually going to talk about here in just a second. Learning how to win is playing with poise and making plays regardless of the score and how much pressure somebody may be feeling. Can we just can we apply that to the whole Carolina Athletic Department this year? I think all of my teams <laughs> could take that and let that ferment in their minds. Well, except for the Mets right now, they're, they're, they they've uh, they they've won re- the off season. They've responded to the pressure. Shocking that the New York Mets would win an off season. They're like Mac Brown. Um, oh. That was a shot. <laughs> but look, the, 
Carolina's learning how to win under Hubert Davis. And I think with that, I think we expected there to be some growing pains. I don't, and I know yes, I didn't. Said that multiple times. I didn't expect there to be growing pains in November. You didn't expect there to be growing pains. Period. You picked this team to finish first in the ACC. Uh, yes. I, I did. You predict them to win the ACC tournament? No. Okay. Well, that that was that. You left that out, but you did predict this team to be a one seed in the NCAA I did. tournament. So and look, all of that, as of today, is still achievable. They can still win the ACC. They have an ACC game later this week. They can still be a one seed. How how ridiculous is that, by the way? Well, we'll get to that later. My gosh. that, that I, I'm just saying how quickly that popped up. Well, like, oh, okay, by the way, ACC game. you got to remember, when they don't open the season with an ACC game, they stick it in December, usually the first week in December. Or a couple of years ago, they give you both. Yep. They got oh, that was a gem. Um, so Carolina in November. Four and two, not great, not bad. They suffer those back-to-back losses in the Hall of Fame tip-off classic up in Uncasville, Connecticut. First time since 2010-2011, Carolina suffered back-to-back losses in the month of November. That was Kendall Marshall and Harrison Barnes's freshman year. Interestingly enough, Carolina would go on to win the ACC regular season that year, and they were a, I believe, a two seed in the NCAA tournament. So not the number one seed that I predicted Carolina to be in the in the preseason, but I did predict them to win the ACC. And the last time we lost back-to-back games in November, we did just that. Armando Baycott, he leads the team in scoring and rebounding, 15.7 points per game, 8.7 rebounds. Overall, the offense hasn't been the problem for Carolina. Five players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Armando Baycott, followed by Caleb Love at 15.2, Brady Manick at 14.8, our guy, R.J. Davis, at 13.7 points per game. And then Dawson Garcia is the last player right now, averaging double figures at 10.7 per game. Um, but the biggest issues in the month of November that arose for Carolina was on the defensive end of the court. According to Sports Reference College Basketball, of the 358 teams that played Division One. Carolina's defensive rating of 105.8, as of today, ranks 307th in the country. Ooh, uh, that's uh, that's not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, yeah, that's – I mean, and it's about right. I, I know we looked at some of the, defici- the, the defensive efficiency numbers. And for reference, real quick. Yeah. A Kempom – Different metrics. Yeah. Carolina yeah. averaging, allowing 99 points per 100 possessions. Oh, man. That ranks 113th in college basketball. Oh, my God. How bad are some of these defenses outside of Carolina? Oh, my Lord. So, this is what that tells me right there. That shows you the pace that Carolina is playing with early in the season because that tells you they're really not that far off from 100 possessions if they're 113th and they're allowing 99 points, mm-hmm. according to that metric. And I think that's part of the recipe. We, we talked about that 
during or after the UNC Asheville game that Carolina slowed the tempo down and there were people complaining about the fact that Carolina didn't score as many points and it's like look if you want to keep keep running the defense that you're running right now I'll say which is really just you know man on man defense straight up defense instead of trying to run zone defense which we've said multiple times they need to run more of. You need to see more of the 2-3 zone, preferably, for this team. I, I mean, that's that's about that's about right. So, yeah, the only way that you're going to be able to slow teams down is slow the tempo down and limit the possessions that they're going to have on that end because those numbers right there show you that because you're playing up-tempo, teams are putting up a, a bunch of points. Now, again, I think that they found – Really, three straight teams in a row in the College of Charleston, Purdue, and Tennessee that all said, you want to run? Well, we can run too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many teams in the ACC are going to be like that, but I'm going to tell you, the teams at the top of the ACC, they can run. Like you, I know it sounds strange, you are not going to want to run with Duke this year. That's not going to work out too well for you. So... I think that's probably how you're going to get these these defensive numbers down. But, yeah, 307th rated defense in the country. I mean, that that's not all that shocking with what we've seen so far this year. And it's got to get better than that if they want to have any chance of being competitive in the ACC. I mean, at that rate, I mean, that's they're probably where they were last year, right? Oh, you would think. They're worse. Just because of... Well, I mean, they're, they're, no, they're, the they're, way they score the basketball, I think they're way still... worse from an efficient standpoint than they were last year. Oh no, oh no doubt, no doubt. But I think the way that you're scoring the basketball could probably still get you. What I'm saying is, they're probably what eight or nine seed at that rate. I mean, they'll no. make the tournament, but we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna play this week's ad from DraftKings. Then we're gonna come back and we're gonna have some. Uh, some heartfelt discussions about the first month of Carolina basketball on the court under Hubert Davis. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 
Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are making your way over to DraftKings Sportsbook, taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners pod. Anthony's been giving you over on the Heel Tough Blog pod. I teased it. Now we're going to get into it. It was an up-and-down month, to say the least, for Carolina. Even in their wins, outside of that Loyola win, and even in that game, you never left the game feeling feeling impressed, feeling encouraged, um, because you didn't look good against Brown defensively. The College of Charleston's probably your best win because that was a road game and a game where you were down double digits and you were able to withstand that the, the you know the the energy, the emotion in the building that night. But outside of that, Carolina hasn't looked complete. They haven't played 40 minutes. I could argue with that they haven't played 20 minutes. So what has stood out to you during the first month of the Hubert Davis era? I mean, yeah, that this is a team that is clearly coached by a first-time head coach. Mm. That this is a group that is all sort of learning together and that we may have gotten excited by a 3-0 and start. Have you ever heard that here recently in this area of the country? I, I, I don't think that this team is as bad defensively as they've shown. But at the same time, I feel like those are flaws that concern me long term. I do feel confident, though, that what we've seen offensively is sustainable. I know it disappeared in that game against Tennessee, but I feel like for the most part, this has been a pretty efficient offense. You've got multiple ways of scoring the basketball. This is not the last two years. I felt like when you go, when you went into games, you looked at two, maybe three guys and said, these are the guys that have to score or we are, we stand no chance. I don't feel like you are in a similar situation this year. I think there are multiple options that are scoring the ball. And one of the guys that you thought would be in that group, Kerwin Walton, not having the greatest start to the season. I, I think so, the, the most impressive thing about Carolina isn't, isn't their offense. It's how they're getting their offense. Whether it's in the, the half court, their half-court offense is as good as it's been since Carolina won the national title in 2017. Maybe that 2018-2019 half-court offense was really, really good. Well, that was mainly because of Kobe White but and Cam Johnson. That, yeah. that, team, that team played in the open court so much that they never played in the half-court, it felt like. And I think that's when, – when you talk about the, the, the sustainability – You've got to be able to score in all three facets, whether it's in a slower-tempo game, whether it's in a higher-tempo game like Purdue, like the College of Charleston, or in a game where the, where the, the pace ebbs and flows like Brown. In the first half, Brown said, okay, we're going, to push the, we're going to push the tempo with you. And so you traded buckets. That second half, because of their foul troubles and stuff like that, they slowed the tempo down. You matched them still bucket for bucket. I thought their offense looks like what I thought it was going to look like in February. It looks like a well-oiled machine. You've shot over 40% from three in every game but one. 
Like, and I mean, six games is forty one point four percent as a team this year. Like, That's six games start. is just six games, but they've also shot a good enough number of threes to tell you, okay, they're shooting a high bunch. But the biggest thing, and I pointed this out when we talked, when we talked to, in the recap over the win over Asheville, they're not just reliant on the three point shot. They can still, your guards are still getting to the bucket and getting to the foul line. You still. Armando Baycott's emerged as your guy that says when he's when he when he knows he needs to take the game over or when Hubert Davis feels like we need to play through our bigs, they're doing a much better job of that this year than they were last year, which is kind of like how I said all on the football during football season. It's a run first offense. Your play action pass builds off of that. Carolina's offense is centered around their big men. Big first offense. And then everything comes off of that. Yep. That's been the most impressive thing. Is that everything that Hubert Davis said they were gonna do offensively, they've done. Yeah, they've I mean, they've executed all that stuff. You're right. I, I think, you know, the last couple of games, they haven't been able to get to the free throw line as much as they did the first four games of the season. And I think that's something that they've got to be aware of. They've they've got to continue to try to be aggressive and don't let that part disappear out of the offense as the season goes along. But I think you're right. I mean, they're scoring at all the different levels and I mean you're looking at some of the versatile guys that are doing that for you as well mainly Brady Manick and you know Dawson Garcia I think Garcia is still you know kind of growing into his role and everything like that he's making more mistakes than we're seeing from Brady Manick but you're seeing guys that can score in different ways whereas these past couple of years mean you look at Armando last year I mean he was a guy that had to be right up on the rim or he wasn't scoring he didn't have any ability to really stretch the floor at all um I I still think that's a work in progress a little bit with him but he's a guy that now I think he he's definitely more aggressive when it comes to going inside I feel like Caleb Love feels more confident with his shot from the outside and I think the other thing with him much more aggressive driving the basket than he was a year ago last year I couldn't really get a feel for what exactly he did all that great on the offensive end like I mean he was still one of the team's leading scorers but he didn't really do anything all that great now you're seeing a guy that's that's more confident on the offensive end for sure and that's the reason why I feel like you should you you should probably be quietly a little bit confident in this Carolina team I know that defensively they're not showing you what they need to but if they can get that part figured out or just I mean just get to being an average defensive team this offense right now is good enough to where they are ready to be in that that top group of the ACC one because you know the the offense is more than capable, and they're putting up the points to do so. And two, uh, because the ACC is not all that great not outside right of Duke. <laughs> that, it really isn't. So I mean, here's the thing: you, I mean, you look at that the losses Carolina has to Purdue and Tennessee. Well, it could be worse. Look at some of the other losses of teams right now in the ACC. I I think that everybody's kind of working through something so that's the one thing that you should feel good about when it comes to Carolina heading into conference season let's talk about the transfers and look there was a lot of hype anticipation Mm -hmm. expectation 
And I would say through six games, they've all three lived up to the hype in their own way. Brady Manick is your third leading scorer on your team, and he's doing it in a variety of different ways. He is either hitting three-pointers, he's putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket, he's got a nice turnaround game, he's getting to the foul line, he's also second on the or third on the team in rebounding. Um, Dawson Garcia is your fifth-leading scorer, second-leading rebounder, and then Justin McCoy has shown you the glimpses of what he's going to be in the future. And I've been the toughest on Dawson because I do feel like he's the most talented player in the front court for Carolina. But you don't compete against Purdue without him. So he showed you in that yep. moment that when he needs to play big because, mm-hmm. you know, Mondo in foul trouble, Baycott just not having a great day – he showed you what we thought we were getting when he transferred in from Marquette. He, in that performance, he was the Dawson Garcia that beat your butt eight months ago in Chapel Hill as a member of Marquette with Manic. Manic's been impressive because we challenged him to rebound the ball a lot better than we did at Oklahoma. Just an average, you know, career five rebound per game type of guy. He's north of six. But he's brought an edge. And I think this team needs an edge. I think... You don't usually look at your transfer to be a leader because you're, you're he's you know transferring into your culture. And we're going to talk about this in a second with Carolina's leadership. But I think he's starting to emerge as a guy that's very vocal. This is last year of playing college basketball. He he chose to leave Oklahoma to play here. He wants to be here, and he wants to be here with all the good things that come about being here, which is winning in college basketball's biggest stage. And then for for McCoy. The offense is going to come. It's 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 going to be a year away. But he had a sequence in that game against Asheville where he had a block on one end of the court, and on the other end he followed it up with a great drive, broke down the defense, kicked it out to an open three. They're all three doing their part to get Carolina – to help Carolina get to the type of potential we think they can get to. Oh, I mean, Manic, uh, you're right. I think he's definitely showing that he's more of a leader um, as the days go by. He's settled in, and yeah, I think you're 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 spot on. He came to Carolina for a reason. He only has this one year, so yeah, he he wants to win and win now. Uh, the the other guys on the team, yeah, they might be looking at a little bit longer of a build because you are under a first year head coach. But Manic doesn't have that timeline. So, so, I mean, to have him, you know, starting to step up, and, and this is a guy that has started one game of the six, and he might be your he might be your most vocal leader out there, mm-hmm. and that's really saying something from his standpoint. I think the other thing with him is also just he, he also brings a sort of a calming presence to a certain extent um, because he's he's a guy that's just hit big shots for you all year. Yep. When you've needed to stay in games even in the ones you haven't won, but especially in the ones that you have, like that game against the College of Charleston, he had a couple of big shots in that game that allowed you to pull away and eventually win that one. Um, Dawson Garcia, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I expected the turnovers. I thought that he would be a guy from watching him at Marquette that would know how to handle the basketball a little bit better. Well, he's also being put in different situations. He never played with his back to the basket. Right. Not right. that not that we saw. We saw him as a face up big. 
Right, which which to be fair was what we thought his role would kind of be here. And it but is, it, it's, but it's, you it's also got to put him on the block because you don't have the depth behind Armando, which we 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 should have known that. We should have known that he would be the guy that would take that out. We thought they would possibly put Manic in that situation, but Garcia is the guy that I think fits better there. Believe it or not, fits better there defensively. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it, he's got some some ups and downs. I definitely think, like I've said a couple of times this year, you can tell that he is the sophomore transfer of the two big men and not the senior guy. Mm-hmm. And I still think that there's there's room for him to grow. I'll tell you this. I don't think this is a guy that you got to be worried about leaving at the end of the season. I think he's going to be here for at least one more year. Um, but, yeah, I, I like some of the things that you see from him, and that game against Purdue was very encouraging. Um, and then with McCoy, I, I think I thought he'd have a little bit of a bigger role when we started seeing some of the videos that came out of practice, when we were seeing, um, you know, the, the secret scrimmage tape, and then, of course, when we saw him at late night, uh, because we it, it looked like a, a, just a hustle guy. And I think that you could start seeing that as the year goes along. But ultimately, there's a, I mean, look, he was the guy that you should have expected the least out of. Mm-hmm. of the transfers. If you thought that this guy was going to come in and be a standout, then I I don't really know what to tell you at this point in the season. Like I most people we should have known that. We knew we we thought at best he could be a rotational option off the bench. That hasn't worked out. But again, he's another young guy. He's only a, a sophomore or junior? Junior. Junior. So I mean not as much time with them, but I, I, I definitely He's think... He's a junior with three years because of the COVID year. Right, okay. So that's... Okay. So you still relatively young then in terms of his fit on this Toriel team. And I think he's a guy that will, will kind of grow. He was a guy that we knew when Carolina landed him as a transfer, he was a project. It was going to take time for him to become a big part of what Carolina does. And I think you're seeing that right now. Also, as we mentioned, I think the other reason why we had maybe higher expectations for him was because we thought that the rotation was going to be much more expanded than it is early on in the season. Carolina right now is playing seven guys. Yep. Um, with, With an eighth that you saw mainly in a Connecticut when they started using Anthony Harris. Other than that, which I, I, I cannot remember the last time Carolina's rotation was this small to start the year. It's never been this small ever. So They've never just played seven guys. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a different approach. That's part of the reason why we had bigger expectations for Justin McCoy, but I think he's definitely someone that you'll, you'll see throughout the year. Because when he's on the court, you can see the hustle. If he keeps that up, he's going to earn more playing time. And we talked about what impressed us about the offense, but there's still some areas for this offense to improve, and that mainly starts on with the turnovers. They haven't been addressed as of yet in terms of what we're seeing on on-court production. I think that's going to be the biggest thing when we get to the Michigan game. They had eight games or eight days in between games. So you would imagine in those eight days when they practice – Turnovers were enforced. They're still averaging 13.5 turnovers per game. 
That's 174th in the country. I told you the for me the magic number's 12. So you're only one and a half off the magic number that I want. But then it comes back to it's not the amount of turnovers. It's the type of turnovers. They're still not a good passing team. They still can't make simple entry passes. Their high-low passes from the wing to the post aren't very good. And Caleb Love and R.J. Davis sometimes make you question if they're still freshmen. This is going to be the biggest thing that can hinder this offense. From This offense is really, really good. It becomes elite if they quit turning the ball over. They can be a top 5-10 offense in college basketball if they don't turn the stupid thing over. <laughs> that's, that's, the, yeah. that's, that's the only area of improvement because you can't really complain about well the lack of offensive rebounding because they're shooting the ball really, really well. well I will say this. They need to finish better at the rim. That, that is still an area that we've seen at times, mainly when they were in Connecticut and then even the other night against UNC Asheville. As long as they're getting to the foul line as much as they're getting to, what you got to look, they're averaging 23 free throws per game, which is 30, that's 47th in the country. They're making 17, that's 34th. I mean, look, they're, they're, no. the, the layup numbers are still not great, though. They have had opportunities at the rim where they haven't been fouled and they're missing easy shots and I don't mean to pick on them but the one that stands out the most to me was the leaky black miss the other night against UNC Asheville that just left you saying what what are we watching like that was an issue that at times last year hurt them because look when you get into some of these close games with guards that are at their best attacking the rim you've got to be able to finish some of these easy looks inside so that would those are the two things for me I don't think there's there's much room for improvement outside of that but as you mentioned the turnovers are the biggest part Mm -hmm. and that's been the biggest part for three years that they they have got to find a way to cut down on these just stupid mistakes that happen at times they just and the the most frustrating part is that they they seem to come in stretches too when one happens, it's two, three, four of the same type of turnovers where a guy, instead of lobbing an entry pass, tries to bounce one inside and the ball gets stolen. Or you have a guy that dribbles into a double team and basically ties himself up and turns it over. It's just there's so many times where you feel like there are there are easier ways – to get the ball where you want it to go, but you try to make it more difficult. You're trying to make a highlight or who knows what, and it ends up leading to a turnover. So, I mean, look, it, and, and you're right. So many of these turnovers are live ball turnovers, and that just kills you. When these teams can then respond out on the fast break, you guys are left scrambling, you get beat back, whatever, and all of a sudden what could have been, in in a lot of cases, a good opportunity to score the basketball for you ends up turning into a four-point swing and they end up scoring on the other end. Let's talk about, I'm not going to say negatives, but some more pressing questions Ooh, about this. this. Is where This is where you shine, baby, negatives. I am. <laughs> I am a great negative human being. Yeah, it is true. Um... Does this team lack leadership? Uh, I mean... Because I would say yes. 
Yeah, I, and I, I'm not I talking from their players. I'm talking from the head coach to well, the coaching bo- staff I, I think onto the court. I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both right now. Um, I, I'm on court. I think you know with Armando, that's he's just a guy that's going to lead by example. He is not going to be a vocal. He's leader. Not, he's not supposed to be. He's not Bryce Johnson. You know, he's not Garrison Brooks. You know, you know who's supposed to be your vocal leader? Is your point guard. Is your point guard. <laughs> well, who is that? Do we have – this is this is a, a, a better question. Well, I brought up the leadership. Do we have a true point guard? I, I brought up the leadership because Brady Manick had some things to say after the UNC of Asheville game, pretty much saying we need to play like a team. Yeah. Where we haven't played like a team, we're not playing like a team, and we need to. He didn't call out so, X, Y, or Z. So here's 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 something right here. Your leader is that guy. The problem is is that he's not supposed to be. Certain guys on that team probably won't buy into him being the leader because they're going to say, "Well, you're a transfer." That's a that's a a horrible mindset to take because this guy has seen more. He's your than most you experienced player on the roster, Sands Leaky Black. Yeah, and look, he he played at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is far from a perfect basketball program. He's he played with been, Trey Young and played in big time games, right? But he's been through ups and downs too. He's seen Trey Young and played in big time games, and he's been on teams that were average basketball teams that didn't make the tournament. So he's. He's seen all levels of this. He knows what it takes to get where you want to go. And look, this isn't these are not traditional Carolina teams. This is not a team that's going to line up, have an off night and still beat you by 15. That's just I mean, it's just not that. So he knows what it's going to take to get you where you want to go. People need to buy into this guy. Like if Armando's not going to be your leader, if one of your point guards isn't going to step up and be that guy on the court. Then you you've got a guy right here. Follow what he tells you because again, the experience is there. He knows from having played college basketball for four five years. So why would you not want to follow the lead of this guy? And and I mean it's something that last year I thought they lacked it too. Well, which was disappointing because we thought that was Garrison Brooks. The, the the biggest and the reason why you can say they lack leadership or question if they lack leadership is when they have the defensive breakdowns consistently, consecutively, and there's no there's no accountability being held from whether a guy being pulled out of dead ball or whenever there's a timeout, foul, free throw lines, that communication from whoever that leader is, and that's supposed to be Caleb Love. And you brought up, a, you know, a, a, well, you brought up a point that I had written down. So I wanted to be known. It was my point. He was just trying to take credit for it. Where, wait a second. Where do I see that? That is uh, fifth on the on the bullet on the bullet. Okay, team. I said, is there a point guard? Well, a true point guard on this roster. You said this is this is what is written down on the paper. You could send this out too as a screenshot. Does Caleb Love fit Hubert Davis's system? So you neither one that is not the same because the here's you, the thing. You took my words now and you made it 
you made it into a Pagnata pointer. That's what that is. What the hell is that? Now that is all. That now is, it's another lap. That's worse than the lie. That's yeah. worse than the lie. Now we're up to six. I laps. said I don't know if you have a true point guard because I don't. I don't know if R.J. Davis is that guy either. Well, R.J. Davis isn't supposed to be, but Caleb Love was recruited to be your point guard. Which, I did not know this even from going back and watching his high school tape. Apparently, he was never really a point guard in high school either. He played almost exclusively two guard. Well, so I think we got caught up, and it's it's not a myth. Roy Williams was really, really good at developing point guards. Yeah, I mean, the track record's there, folks. You bring in a five-star combo guard, you think, okay, the transition to point guard is going to be very seamless. It wasn't. Well, now you make a you don't make a coaching change. Roy Williams retires. You bring in Hubert Davis, who was supposed to bring out all of the best of what he does, and six games into that, and look, his numbers aren't bad. They're not great. He's second on the lead, the second on the team in scoring. He's averaging over four assists, nearly four rebounds. I brought this up because good friend of the pod, former head coach of the Tar Heels, Matt Doherty, was on with our guy. Good friend of the pod. He's been he's been on the pod once. Still good friend. He was Would on. Would he recognize you if you saw him in studio? Yes. He I don't was, believe you. He was on with KB last week in the afternoon show. Kyle Bailey. And was asked about Caleb Love. And Matt Doherty isn't so sure that Caleb Love fits what Hubert Davis wants to do. Meaning, and this kind of goes back to what you said, often extension of what I wrote down. All summer it was, I want to play with two point guards. Well, it, do you have one? <laughs> It's kind of like if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. If you have two point guards or two combo guards, do you have a point guard? I don't know if Carolina has a point guard outside of Anthony Harris, and there's a reason Anthony Ooh. Harris doesn't start. Yeah, let's 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 not approach that. And Anthony Harris was a guy that came in as what? A combo guard. It's I mean, it's it's a hell of a question because seven laps. I'm going to be honest. R.J. Davis, to me, definitely looks better this year as a catch-and-shoot player than he does with the ball in his hand. Um, I mean, again, you have the moments where they look good driving the basket, but, I mean, for R.J. Davis, turn, just he turns the ball over entirely too much to be your point guard. Um, and then with Caleb Love, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just, I, you the thing that, you don't see from these guys is you don't see the command of the floor that you've seen from Carolina point guards in the past where you knew, you felt confident that these guys were going to be able to set everything up. And it was to a point where if you had to go isolation basketball at any point, those guys could take the game over because they could drive to the basket at will. Okay, they I could think, step back and make shots. I think Caleb Love or R.J. Davis are capable of being aggressors on the offensive end. The biggest issue is that you call the defense, you set the defense, Oof. then you are supposed to execute the defense. Well, to be fair, nobody on this defense has played well. That, I, let, let's just get that out there. This is not just the guards that are but not defending well. But it starts there. 
It starts with them. I mean, they're all getting blown by. But it and starts with them. Right. But I don't – like, at, at this point, I, if, if that's what you're going off of as to whether or not these guys are true point guards, then, then, then there's no way. There is absolutely no way because – the, I mean, right now, these dudes are getting blown right by on the offensive end. They, There is no stopping the basketball on, on the defensive end. The most frustrating thing is that I think, I think Hubert Davis has made the game easier for them offensively. I think you can't argue that. He's made, he's made the game easier for them. The floor's open, and they have, they've proven that when they want to get to the basket – they have the ability to get to the basket. But they haven't taken that next step defensively. And I think we, we focus so – and I'm guilty of this. We focus so much on that, that progression from freshman to sophomore year on the offensive end, where in reality that progression happens defensively. Look at how freaking good Marcus Page was defensively his sophomore year. Joel Berry his sophomore year. We didn't get to see Kobe White or Cole Anthony their sophomore years. Ty Lawson got better over his time playing under Ty Law or Raymond Felton in his sophomore year under Roy Williams, which was his junior year, got better defensively. Kendall Marshall sophomore year got better defensively, and he couldn't. He he looked like he had like a club foot out there. He was like stuck in cement. Yes, uh, yeah, unfortunately that uh, that seemed to pop back up when he got to the NBA level. But. They haven't taken the next step defensively, which brings us to Carolina's defense. Oh, which I My. gave you some numbers earlier. Don't I, give me more. I got more for oh, you. I got more no. for you, big fella. Carolina is allowing their opponents to make 20, 30 field goals per game. 30. That's 342nd in the country. They are allowing 67 field goals attempted per game. Yep. 351st in the country. Three fi- out of 358, you said earlier, right? They are allowing... That's all really quick. Again, I cannot express to you enough how much this team needs to slow the game down. You're letting, You're giving these teams way too many offensive opportunities when you can't stop the ball. We are allowing of those of those thirty made baskets, twenty one of them are from the two point land. That's three hundred and thirty fifth in the country. Teams are shooting fifty one percent from inside the three point line. That is three hundred. That's two hundred and sixty sixth in the country. Oh The my. most yeah. mind blowing stat of all of this. Uh oh. In six games, yeah, Carolina is averaging. They are forcing only eight point seven turnovers a game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the Hell? things that has really, really blown my mind. And you're talking about we, four mid major programs. We, we heard all summer, all summer, we're gonna make them have an off night. We're gonna oh. make them feel us defensively. Well, they, if they, I'm going to tell you, if they're feeling you defensively, unfortunately, I think you're a little soft. Not going to lie to you. That that is one of the things that I was going to. They are nowhere near where they need to be in terms of if you're going to give up a lot of baskets, 
you better create a lot of turnovers. The most I mean the most frustrating thing is the thing that has killed us in recent years isn't killing us. They're only allowing eight and a half made threes a game. That's not all that bad. Yeah, they've done a good job when they're when they're when they're shooting twenty six times from behind three point line. Their three point defense. I don't I don't think they've changed their philosophy in defending the three because they still go under screens. They don't switch. They don't do all the things that I think you need to do. Oh, I know. I know. But I've heard it. I've I've heard it many times. The the three point defense ain't the problem. It's the simple fact that you're playing Brown. Charleston, Loyola, and Asheville, and these guys are blowing right by your guys who are recruited McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah, they're also passing the ball better than you are as well. Like, here's the thing. It's it's just like... I was doing so good. Now I'm hot. It's just like... Well, I, 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 see, you're going to get mad at me, but it's just like football in terms of the turnover margin. If you turn the ball over... I mean, you got to think. You are turning it over at, o- over one and a half times more than you're taking it away. That can that cannot happen. And to me, the other thing that's mind blowing is I mentioned the pace that you're playing with against these teams, and they're running with you. How are they forcing so many turnovers off of you, but you can't force those turnovers off of them? Well, and I think, and you're, I'm sorry, you're not playing the greatest teams like Purdue. Maybe even Tennessee. Okay, you can make an argument that those teams know how to protect the basketball. You are playing mid-majors, and they are turning you over more than you're turning them over. And the biggest, wow. the biggest reason I think that's ha- that why that's happening, Carolina doesn't force any – they don't pressure the ball. Yeah, to be fair, I think they're afraid to because if they pressure – and don't force a turnover. They're getting blown right by. They can't. They can't recover. That's not happening. And I think that's where. That's the evolution of Hubert Davis. It's going to come on the defensive end of the court. Mm-hmm. If if he turns out to be a really really good head coach, it's because he'll make the tweaks he need he needs to make. Roy Williams wasn't a great defensive coach, but he made the changes that he needed to make because he knew. Okay, I know we're going to score 90, but we can't give up 90. How do we stop that? Carolina's going to get their 80-85, but they're giving up 80-85. How do you fix that? I don't know if you can – okay, they can't full court press. First off, you don't got the depth oh. to, to, you, you, to, to, to play that style. you gotta, you got to have 10 deep. Carolina's playing seven, eight on a good night. So that's out of, that's out of the equation. But we heard all summer – I believe in playing multiple defenses. Why? Dean Smith-Staple. How many times has Carolina given a, def- a different defensive look in back-to-back possessions? Ooh. Hardly. They want, I would say, what, Loyola? That's pretty much it. So, I want – if they, I think they can get better. I think they can be a really good defensive team. You've got – the bodies, in terms of the physical skill set. You've got a nice mixture of length with Dawson Garcia, Leaky Black, and even Caleb Love, you know, he's got some he's got some tree trunks on his arms. You've got you've his, got his arms are tree trunks. Exactly. There you go. You've got you've got some girth. You've got some really good things to be defensive to, to uh, what? To be a good defensive team. <laughs> 
but change the tempo. Throw – as much as I hate playing zone defense, and I think it should be outlawed, it's not. Play zone. <laughs> run a run a half-court You got to say that every time. You, uh, just, you can't let that one go. Give me, give me a scramble defense out of a timeout. Give, give the multiple looks that you promised. Throw – look – the, if you, the more you throw at teams, the more off balance you're going to keep. That you want to keep them guessing because right now, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Is there really that much difference from what we've seen throughout the Roy Williams era in this defense? I don't see it. It's basically the same concepts, even up into what we've seen the last couple of years of going under screens. So you didn't really change much. From what I'm seeing, what, you've gone zone a couple of times? Like, come on, you. this group is cr- clearly struggling. And I've said this to you as well. I don't think that's all on Hubert Davis. You've got guys on your, on your bench that should be helping point this stuff out to you during games. Mainly, Je- I want to see Jeff Lebo step up here. You've been a head coach before. You need to be that guy in his ear that says, hey, Hubert, Let's not be stubborn here, man. This ain't working. Let's try to change something up. Throw something else different at them, and let's see if that works. Because right now, what we're doing is not working in this game. And look, I mean, if you go to the zone and you're still getting killed, and if you're getting killed worse, then fine, okay. Then we we need to stick with what we've got, and we need to find another way. Slow the tempo down or whatever. But you've got to try some different things because right now what you're doing is it's not producing results, man. And it ain't gonna get better just because you keep you keep trying at it. It's not. They're only going to get better defensively if it's a emphasis of what they do in practice for two hours. The offense will be the offense. They're they're going to score. You want to get better defensively, and you have to six games in, you have to recommit defensively, which is what they that's where they're at. <laughs> they have to recommit defensively. And Hubert Davis said something that I believe more than probably any person in this fan base believes after the Tennessee loss, which was when asked about his team, he was like, I'm gonna play the five guys out there that have a appreciation, an understanding, and a thankfulness to put on that jersey, be a part of this program, walk out of that tunnel, X, Y, and Z. You want to win me over? You say that. Because nobody believes more in what the name on the front represents than their name on the back than I do. You want to say that. There... There better be a point in time where we see the blue squad on the court. Yeah. That's how, yep. because in six games, their effort has reached that point where Roy Williams puts five walk ons on the court. Or at least one of them. I mean, and dude. looks up at the rafters and, and lets his team figure it out. I mean, yeah, you got to put at least one of them in. I mean, this is, this is the Stillman White. Robbie O'Han, this is that type of moment where you need to throw Dewey Ferris out there and say, guys, I mean business. If only I still had eligibility left from my church basketball career. Oh, Lord. My film might have gotten 
It might have gotten to the basketball office. You wouldn't have even made the JV squad. That's okay. That's a shame. <laughs> That's what I want to see. Uh, and and here's uh, I I'm with you. You want to say I all that? I don't think that you're going to see that because I think that then don't say those words. I think that that is a Roy Williams move. And and again, we've talked about it. You, you no doubt you want Hubert to be Roy, and it's just that's not what Hubert is going to be. He's going to be his own guy. Every person in the history of humanity should try to achieve to be like Roy Williams. Yeah, but I'm just telling you, like that's not the mindset of every one of these coaches. Hey, and I, and to be honest, he, I don't know. He can have his own personality, but when you say something like that, and then your actions don't follow up, how do you expect to hold your team accountable? That's all I'm saying. I mean, no, it's. I mean, it's 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 a point. It's definitely a point. Thank I, you. I, I think. And I, like I said, I think that you should definitely see it at some point. But I don't know if he's going to get to that, if, if he's going to use that move. Because I, I think, and this could be something that, that could be a concern, I think that he is, avoid, he is trying to avoid being Roy Williams. He wants to show so much that he is his own guy. And it's like, look, some of those moves – will work as motivating factors. That that was one thing that you could never question about Roy Williams. He was always going to find a way to get his team motivated. There is no way that they were going to come out and never have motivation to play. Now, were, were there times in the last couple of seasons where it looked like certain guys weren't motivated? Yes, but he would still make those moves to try to get them motivated. He would still put in those walk-on guys and say, look, we be- do something or else you can just sit there. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, I do want to get you guys over the website, heeltoughblog.com, where for the basketball side of things, we will be getting you ready for the battle against Michigan with a preview. Stop article there'll be a preview podcast a recap article and a recap podcast as we continue to take you through the 2021-22 basketball season as for the football side of things the regular season came to a close in epic disappointing fashion as carolina blew a nine-point lead to nc state to lose their season finale and finish the regular season six and six anthony had you covered with the preview, he recapped the game as well. There's also an article up about some some coaches that maybe should stay at Carolina next year or not be at Carolina next year. You can check all that great football and basketball content out on HeelToughBlog.com. As for the basketball, as for the podcast side of things, excuse me, you know where to find us, the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone now. And you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcast. Like the podcast. Review the podcast. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the co-host. But we do want you guys to subscribe. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. It's been a busy month of November with podcasts coming out left and right. 
That's going to be the same moving forward as Carolina's schedule only heats up starting in December. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.